Hello and welcome to Centuries and Saints. This is Scott, your host for the podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I am really excited about today's episode. We are wrapping up our little three-part mini-series here in Season 2, looking at the Omnis of God. And today, we will be looking at God's omnipotence, or the fact that He is all-powerful, almighty. So stay tuned, and thank you for tuning in to Centuries and Saints. And I'm looking forward today uh, to finishing up this three-part <clears throat> mini-series on the attributes of God. That's the, the larger series that we've been in now for the last couple of months, just taking a look biblically at who God is and getting to know Him and understanding who He is. Okay, so uh, today is going to be the third of our three-part mini-series on the omnis of God. And what in the world does that mean? Well, again, we've got omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence, uh, three of God's attributes. And um, what those mean, basically, is, again, omnia is the Latin word for all. And uh, so we have omnipotence, which means all-powerful, omnipresence, which means all or everywhere present, and omniscience, which means all-knowing. Okay. And last week we took a look at the omniscience of God, that he knows everything that he always has and how comforting that is to us and how amazing that is to us. And so that was our study last week. And then the week before we talked about God's omnipresence. And so today we are discussing God's omnipotence. Okay. Which means that God is all powerful. All right. So again, the word omnia in Latin means all and the word potens there in is power in Latin. So omnipotence means all powerful. And if you're anything like me and you enjoy language stuff, uh, that comes from Latin and to us in English via Old French, because a lot of our English language is based on Old French. Uh, But anyways, that's the history of the word omnipotent. And again, it just simply means all powerful. So we'll be discussing um, that attribute and aspect of God's nature and character today. Okay, so as we've been doing uh, on these teachings, we're going to be taking our text from Psalm 139, uh, because Psalm 139, verses 1 through 16, you can divide it up into three sections, dealing with God's omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. Uh, Verses 13 through 16 deal with God's omnipotence, which we're talking about today. And here's what it says, Psalm 139, 13 through 16, for you formed my inward parts, You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Okay, so that's Psalm 139, 13 through 16. The psalmist rejoices uh, in the fact that he was created purposefully and skillfully by God, okay, and that God had already planned out his life in advance, all right? And again, uh, not understanding science, the psalmist here talks about, you know, God composing our frame and, you know, skillfully making us. We look at the complexity just of the human body, of the brain and, and the bone structure and all these things, I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. It's incomprehensible, truly. 
You know, even just the complexity of the human eye, for one thing. And then you add to all that the fact that we have a conscience and morality, and, you know, God has breathed uh, his breath on us and we're living souls, as God did for Adam and Eve. Um, it's just the, the complexity simply of, of humanity is absolutely amazing. And then you also add to that, you know, just the, the complexity of the universe and of the laws of science and physics and all these amazing things that scientists have discovered and are continuing to discover. And it all testifies to God's power, God's power to create. Absolutely amazing. Um, and so we're going to be looking at that here uh, over the next few minutes together in this teaching today. Uh, just looking at God's power. It's all eternal power. It's absolutely amazing. Okay, and in, it's interesting because in Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the Bible, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, in Hebrew, the word for created is bara, which means to create out of nothing. Okay, it's not recreate. It's not using existing materials. It literally means to create something out of absolutely nothing. Okay, which means that uh, back in eternity past, before God created everything, he was all that there was. Uh, Nothing existed except for God. It was just him. Okay, and then God, by his will, he created everything. He created time and space. He created the universe, the heavens, the earth, um, everything that's in existence, everything that is was made by God. Here's a rhetorical question for all of you. And uh, if you get this question right, you get my undying respect. All right. If you are the almighty, how much might do you have? Almighty, how much might do you have? Well, you have all of it. Okay. Obviously, right? Did you get that? I hope you did. Okay. God is the almighty God. We see that in the scriptures. Okay. God has all power, all might, all ability and capability, okay? Which is great because that means as we see throughout scripture, the testimony of scripture is that God rules over all the kingdoms and affairs of men. We see that in the Old Testament. God just rules over all the most powerful kingdoms, the pharaohs, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, all the kingdoms and authorities of men, you know, that were seen as, as powerful. God rules over all of them. You know, read the book of Daniel and and let those verses sink in. It's beautiful. And then in the New Testament, you know, as the church was uh, encountering persecution by the Caesars, you know, because uh, the church would not say Caesar is Lord because the church understood there's only one Lord, one sovereign, one God and King of the universe, and that's Jesus, not Caesar. Okay. And so we see that all throughout the scriptures that God rules in the kingdoms of men that he rules sovereignly over the affairs of men. It's amazing. God rules over his creation perfectly, all right? And all throughout the Old Testament, one of the common names used for God is El Shaddai, which in Hebrew means the strong one. Now, I'm not a Hebrew guy at all. I don't know Hebrew, uh, but according to my research anyways, that's El Shaddai means the strong one, okay? And we get the, the phrase Almighty God uh, from that, from El Shaddai, all right? So that's one of the, the names for God uh, in the Old Testament, all right? And then Elohim, which is the most common name for God in the Old Testament, uh, describes his creativity, his creative power, all right? And that he's the creator, he's the God, the sovereign one who made everything, all right? So we see that all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout Scripture, all right? So I want to read now a quote from A.W. Tozer, uh, and then we're going to get into more of the meat of this, uh, of this teaching. Okay, A.W. Tozer said this, 
Since God has at his command all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for a renewal of strength. All the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in undiminished fullness in his own infinite being. So what that means practically for, for God and for all of us is that unlike us, God doesn't grow weary. And we read that in the Old Testament. He that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Okay. So I was up this morning, you know, around five o'clock and I got up and I went to the gym and I tried to exercise. And at five in the morning, I'm not good for much. But anyways, I did that. Then I came here we had morning worship and, you know, I drank coffee and, and I say the whole thing about working out, not to brag. Believe me, if you'd seen me, it's nothing worth bragging about. However, I point that out simply to say, um, you know, that I'm getting a little bit tired. That's why I'm drinking coffee because I, you know, need an artificial way to stay awake and all of that because I'm human. I grow weary. I lose energy and I need to eat and sleep to renew energy. Okay. Because when I expend energy, it has to be replaced. Not so with God. That's the amazing thing with, with the triune God, you know, he is infinite and eternal. So all the power as Tozer said, that is required to do everything that God wants to do already dwells within his own infinite being. You can take as much away from infinity as you want, and you still have infinity. Infinity, eternality cannot be diminished. Okay. So that's beautiful. That means that God then does not get weary. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't need to rest and take time off. You know, God doesn't take days off. He doesn't need to. Um, it's awesome, which is great for us. It's good news for us as his kids, as Christians, uh, because our God then is able to meet every need we have and do all that he has promised and purposed to do. And we don't have to ever doubt that, his ability. Okay, that's a great, great comforting thought for us as Christians, that the God who saved us, who rules the universe, uh, you know, he doesn't take a day off, you know, and not listen to our prayers or provide for our needs because he doesn't need to. He perfectly sustains all of us because he's that powerful, right? And I want to read a quote also from Martin Luther, the the great church reformer that we've been talking about on church history here in Kappel. And just speaking of the power of God over all of creation, Martin Luther said that even the devil is God's devil. Okay, now what does that mean? What he meant by that is that the devil has no power or authority aside from what God has granted him to have. Just read Job chapter one to get a taste of that. Okay. We have to remember that God created the devil. Now, originally the devil was an angel and not corrupt and not sin, uh, but God created him nonetheless. Okay. Which means God is just as infinite and eternal and powerful over the devil as he is over the smallest bird or flea or human being. Okay, so anything compared to God is nothing because God is infinite and eternal and he's the creator of all things. Okay, so that means that God rules over all, which is such a great thing to know because in the scriptures, uh, in Jesus, we see God revealed perfectly uh, in, in his son and in his word. And so we know his nature and his character. And so when you combine the goodness of God, his nature and character, his, the fact that he does not change, with the fact that he is almighty and all-powerful, 
That's wonderful. That is a recipe for success, so to speak. Okay. So I want you guys to think with me here, uh, five truths about God's omnipotence. Uh, Pardon me, still getting over this cold a little bit. Um, Five truths about God's omnipotence. Number one, God's power is infinite power. Okay. Which means just what it sounds like. There's no limit to God's power. Okay, so as I just said recently, all that God pleases to do, all that he wills to do, he does it without getting tired, without growing weary. All right, Paul tells us in Colossians 1, 16 and 17 that Jesus created everything and that he sustains everything. Okay, so not only did the Lord create everything out of nothing, but moment to moment, he sovereignly sustains it all by his power and his will and his word. Okay. Pastor John has talked here for years about how scientists are trying to discover what in the world it is that keeps atoms from blowing apart. Okay, sort of that cosmic glue, so to speak. Well, in a sense, that's Jesus. Jesus is the one who holds it all together by the power of his word, by his will. He sustains all of his creation. Okay, Uh, Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Okay, so the Lord simply spoke, and the heavens, the universe, the galaxies, the planets, was all made. Okay, by his breath came all the stars, the hosts of heaven, all the angels, everything in creation came just simply from God's word, from him speaking, all right? Uh, Secondly, God's power is irresistible power. And this is good news because this means that God's power and will cannot be overcome or thwarted. He will accomplish his purpose as he has said. Isaiah 14, 27, for the Lord of hosts has planned and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? And that's good news for us, Christian, because it means that our father um, has purposed certain things uh, to do, promises in his word, things that he's purposed to do in our lives And he's going to do those things. And his plans cannot be thwarted and they cannot be sidetracked. The enemy, as much as he would like to, cannot derail the plans and purposes of God Uh, for this world, for his kingdom, for our lives, for his church. None of that. God's got it. He's in control. All right. Well, third, uh, God's power is inexhaustible power, which means that God never loses power. Uh, As we said, he doesn't grow weary like we do. He does not need to sleep like us. Uh, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. Okay, Uh, so God does not grow weary or tired. His power is inexhaustible. As I said, he doesn't need to recharge his batteries, so to speak, like we do. He doesn't need to rest and replenish spent energy and power. No, he's infinite and eternal. And within his own infinite being comes all the power to accomplish all that he wills to do. Uh, Man, again, I mean, these things, we're talking about God. This is so impossible to wrap our minds around, but, you know, we do our best because we want to study the scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth, you know. So, man, amazing thoughts there. Uh, Number four, God's power is incomprehensible power. And that's why I I wanted to touch on this. Uh, Just the sheer power of God. Um, It cannot be comprehended by man. It is far beyond our finding out. You know, and I mean, again, when we look at, at science and we look at the universe and, you know, the universe is incomprehensibly vast, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke to even try and actually understand with our finite minds how big the universe is. Okay, but as big as the universe is, um, <laughs> you know, God's the one who made it all and he sustains it all. Just to give you some perspective, because I'm not a scientist by any means, uh, but I do like uh, astronomy, things to do with outer space. I, for whatever reason, I just love that branch of the sciences, astronomy and astrophysics. It's just interesting to me. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it interests me. Uh, but I do know this, the speed of light is about 186,000 miles per second. Okay. That's a lot. Um, so that means if you are traveling at the speed of light every second, you would travel 186,000 miles. Okay. If I remember correctly, the Milky Way galaxy, which is our galaxy, uh, from edge to edge is about 100,000 light years uh, in length or width or diameter, whatever. Uh, so in other words, to get from one end to the other is 100,000 light years. So what that means then, just our Milky Way galaxy alone, if you started at the very outer edge and you traveled 186,000 miles every single second without ever stopping, it would take you 100,000 years to get to the other side just of our galaxy. Now, that is insane. I mean, those numbers are so incredibly huge. Uh, I can't even think about how, I mean, how big that is. We can't comprehend that. And that's just our galaxy. I mean, there are billions, trillions of other galaxies all over the universe with incomprehensible distances in between all them. Uh, you know, all of that. And yet God created all of that just simply by speaking. And he holds it all together. He sustains it. He holds it in the palm of his hand. It's nothing compared to him. That's how powerful God is. You know, and, and so that's why I say his power is absolutely incomprehensible. I mean, it's, it's laughable to even try and comprehend how powerful this God is that we serve. And what does Ephesians 3.20 say? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, <clears throat> according to the power that works within us. Ephesians 3.20, which is good, good news because that means that when we come to God in prayer, there's no prayer request that's too hard for God. There's nothing that's difficult for him. God is able to do infinitely more than we would even dare to ask or could even imagine. One of the translations puts it that way is more than we can imagine. You know, whatever you can even conjure up in your mind is the greatest, most difficult thing ever. God can do far more than even that. That's nothing to him which is great news for us who are his children by faith in Christ. As we come to him, man, that power is at our disposal and that power is set upon us for our good. <clears throat> Amazingly good news. And then finally, number five, God's power is self-consistent power. And this is very good news. What this means is that God never exercises his power in a way that is inconsistent with or contrary to his nature or his will. And in fact, according to scripture, um, there are some things that God cannot do. And I think that means in the sense that they're just so repugnant and abhorrent, uh, like it would just never happen, you know. Uh, for example, according to scripture, God cannot sin. He cannot lie and he cannot fail. So to sum that up, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.13, God cannot deny himself, which means that everything that God does 
Everything that God says is always perfectly and completely in line with who he is, with his nature. God never acts outside of his nature. Now, we do. And by that, I mean as Christians, we've been redeemed. Our old stony heart uh, of sin has been taken out, and God has replaced it with a new heart of flesh. Okay, that's the new covenant. Which means uh, that our, you know, we've been given a new nature. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We are God's children by faith, perfectly righteous and holy, positionally before him, with his nature now inside of us. Yet, we still sin. Okay? We act inconsistently with who we are as children of God, but God never does that. God never acts in any way that is at all contrary to his nature or inconsistent with who he is. And that is good news. Because when we look at kingdoms and governments and and people, you know, men that lead, men and women, human beings, uh, whenever people amass great amounts of power, that almost inevitably leads to fantastically awful corruption and uh, abuse of fellow human beings. You know, just look at some of the regimes throughout history. You know, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You know, when a sinful human being amasses too much power to themselves, uh, they always self-destruct and take a lot of good, or well, a lot of people down with them as well. Uh, that's just what happens, but not so with God because God is perfect and absolutely holy and his holiness in his nature um, is always consistent with his power. They're never in conflict with one another. So this almighty God is also completely good, which is such good news for us. And that's why we're studying the attributes of God uh, here in these teachings in Kabbalah, so that we can understand that and, and, and know who our God is. And know that a God this powerful, <laughs> all-powerful, is also completely and all good and holy. So amazingly good news. I love that. And practically as a final note, if God has given us promises, then he will fulfill them. Uh, Jesus said that whoever comes to him, he will not cast out. Uh, Paul said in Philippians, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay. So those promises are promises from God that we can take to the bank and we can trust him. They are more sure than the sunrise. All right. And Final verse, Luke 18, 27, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Amen. So Lord bless you guys today. Talk to you later. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Centuries and Saints today. This is Scott. Now, again, I would ask that you please go to the Apple Podcast Store, leave us a rating, write us a review, spread the word. It really, really helps the podcast out. And in other new news, we are now on Spotify. That happened a little while ago. The podcast is available on Spotify. So if you or others you know prefer Spotify for your podcast platform, please spread the word. Again, centuries and saints. We're really excited about this new development here for the show. So may the Lord bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, for centuries and saints, this is Scott Matson. God bless you. Scott Matson.